Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline. I'm also an avid traveler and I bring you stories from the airplane, from around the world, and from the pilots who fly those airplanes. Today's episode is all about security and many different types of security. We have some stories about prisoners who need escorts, aircraft security, can't joke about any uh, type of airline security anymore. And at the end of the episode, there, I will be reading a statement from a pilot about a completely different type of security, or lack thereof. And uh, I was uh, boarding an airplane, 737, and uh, at the time uh, we were, uh, this hijacker word was uh, really, their boating was, you know, not a good word to use ever. It isn't today either, but... Uh, when I was boarding, this lady walked on the airplane, and she, I said, may I see your boarding pass, please? A sister with her seat, and she said, I don't have a boarding pass because I'm a hijacker. So I was kind of new, and I turned around and told the cockpit, and uh, she went back to her seat, and a little while later, about, I don't know, half a dozen Canadian Mountie police come onto the airplane with their little hats, Dudley Do-Right hats, you know, and uh, they go up to her, and they tell her, come here. And she doesn't know what the hell's going on. But they take her out into the jetway and they surround her. All right? She's standing in the middle of all these Mountie police. And we're kind of watching this all unfold. And it was the funniest thing because in unison, all six took a giant step back. At the same time, in making the circle bigger because she had peed in her pants. <laughs> she was so scared that she just she lost control of her bladder. And they were stepping back so they didn't get all wet, right? <laughs> now, everybody knows that security is more frustrating now since September 11th. And no one knows it more than airline professionals because we have to go through security at the very minimum, I'd say, four times a week. So it's a very common occurrence to us, and we hear people complaining all the time about security. What do you mean I have to take my shoes off? And people get very frustrated, but we have to remember it's for a good reason. We're going through security, and I never get frustrated with security because I have been to countries where they take their security much more seriously than we do here, even after September 11th, when I was traveling in and out of Israel <laughs> you are never going to complain about security in the United States if you've been a selectee or singled out in Israel. They questioned me for, I'd say, two hours. And at one point, I actually started to feel like I had done something wrong. I just, uh, they kept asking me questions because I had been in Egypt on a yoga retreat and my friend had left and she had taken all of my yoga things with her because I was going to stay and go to Israel and Jordan for another two weeks on my own and I didn't want to carry the stuff around with me. So she took everything back with her and we had lost our luggage on the way. We had flown into Israel and we'd taken uh, a bus over to Egypt and our luggage was lost. So we had to go back to Israel to get the luggage and then back to Egypt for the yoga retreat. So, and then I went to Jordan and back on that trip also, and I had been to Morocco 
a few months before. So understandably to the Israeli authorities, it looked like I had been in and out of a lot of Arab countries <laughs> more than a blonde young woman needs to in a few months. And they wanted to see some proof that I had been to a yoga retreat in Egypt and I didn't have any because I'd given all my friend all my stuff to take home and they're like, well, do you have any pictures? And I'm like, well, yeah, I have pictures, but I haven't developed them. Who who develops pictures when you're still on a trip? And they were like, well, how come you don't have a ticket? It looks like you wrote this ticket yourself. And because I was flying standby, we at the time, a few years back, would just write out the tickets ourselves. <laughs> I was like, well, I did write it out myself. And they're like, you're not even confirmed on this flight. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm traveling for free because I'm an airline employee. And no, I'm, I'm not confirmed. And they kept asking me about men in the different Arab countries. And I think they thought I was uh, like a stool pigeon, a person that... You know, they thought I had an Arab boyfriend and I was a dumb blonde that my Arab boyfriend probably gave me an explosive take on board. I don't have any Arab boyfriends, but I have, was having a really hard time convincing them of that. But to look at it another way, I was very impressed with them because they had three people. They took me to a separate room and had three people with gloves going through my belongings. And it was so thorough I wasn't irritated because I understand why a country like that has to be thorough. And I guess I did look suspicious. And they went through the hems of my clothes to see if I had sewn anything in there. They opened jars of cream and put their finger in it. And they took pictures with my camera. It really was impressive. And I dealt any passengers in the United States are going to have to go through <laughs> security like that. So next time you're going through that security line, you know, in Detroit, I wouldn't be aggravated that you have to take your shoes off because it can be much, much worse. I was actually afraid I wasn't going to get out of Israel, but they finally, after escorting me to the bathroom and escorting me to the plane, finally let me get on the plane. So I was very thankful for that. This next story is about security in the post 9-11 world. And I wanted to just warn you that you might notice some creative editing, some blips here and there. And that's because I had to edit out a few things that maybe shouldn't be public information. But I think you can still get the gist of the story. A uh, man gets on board and he checks out the cockpit door, does a once around top to bottom. And so Left you noticed because he was really looking at it. I didn't notice. I was out of the cockpit. Okay. The flight attendant noticed, uh, made a statement to me that she noticed and a military member in uniform noticed also this strange behavior as this passenger was boarding the airplane. And he was ethnic? Uh, he, he was, a uh, mid-30s, Middle Eastern okay. male. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I... Uh, get this information from the flight attendant and the co-pilot looks at me and says hey uh, I think she's overreacting and I said okay so now I've got a co-pilot that thinks the flight attendant overreacted and a flight attendant's story collaborated by a passenger that right. just gets in we have two uh, air marshals on board we have three we have plenty of metal on board right. and uh, anyway I call uh, corporate security and do our little huddle, and uh, 
they pretty much corporate security is absolutely no help whatsoever. But the gate agent was considerable right. uh, helpful. She gives me a printout of the uh, last five legs of what this guy has flown on, and I'm looking for warm fuzzies anywhere. Uh, right. Well, he's only flown from Atlanta to Newark and Atlanta to D.C. only. Wow. Two hotbeds, and I'm not too warm fuzzy about that. So I keep on looking, and I, his address is down there, and uh, so I'm thinking, well, maybe it's a, um, just looking for anything, but it's an apartment he lives in. Right. In Florida? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, in, in Atlanta. But it's not a stable address, right. so so I didn't get any warm fuzzy there. I talked to the uh, the gate agent. I make a little PA because we're now at departure time. Uh, we have a little problem with the paperwork. As soon as we get that straightened up, we'll be underway. Buy myself a little time. Uh, we have a enforcement guy up in first class, and I ask the gate agent if she can find me a frequent flyer that's on an aisle seat a row or two or three behind where our subject is. And she runs out and she finds this uh, frequent flyer. We upgrade him to first class. And oh, so you can move him out? Well, so we got the guy with a piece to sit a couple of rows behind him oh. to keep an eye on him. Well, well, that was a good idea. So everybody was pretty comfortable with that because we didn't really have any uh, reason to kick him off. Right, he can't profile Right, and which is what corporate security told me. Right. That was irrelevant. And I said, thank you very much. So we, we put a piece on him, and we kept an eye on him. And uh, at that time, we had the 30-minute rule out of D.C. Right. And uh, he is the only one passenger out of 142 that wanted to get up two or three times in that 30-minute time. And he was repeatedly sat down by the flight attendant. But he never really got out of his seat. He just making indications that he wanted to. Well, after 30 minutes, it was smooth and I had to turn off the seatbelt light, so I did. Didn't have to, I guess. I'm the captain. <laughs> anyway, uh, didn't no reason to keep it on, so I, t- I turned it off, and he did get up and go to the rear restroom three times in a 15-minute period. Wow! So, but- flanked him, searched the restroom every time he went in. Uh, he got he got everybody's attention as far as the armed passengers. Uh, attention, right. and everybody was watching him very closely. And he had a little stare down in the back of the cabin with the, uh, with the right. and uh, and so they had a little stare down. And uh, anyway, we got corporate security on again. And uh, well, to finish the story out, corporate security and the fams met the guy in the jetway, confronted him, and I don't know anything other than that because I wrote a report on it, asked for a reply, and I did not get one, but. I subsequently heard from some other fams uh, that there apparently is some testing of the system. Right, test flights. And to see who's paying attention, who's not, what the reaction would be. Right, what they can get away with. Yeah, and so I'm hoping that he did see that he was noticed and he was watched. And it wasn't going to happen. And he he could get shot in the head right away. Now, I travel sometimes alone and sometimes to countries that a lot of people believe aren't safe, and people can be very vocal (laughs) about trying to discourage you from going to certain places. I've been to the Middle East by myself, and I cannot even count the number of people that tried to discourage me from doing that, saying how unsafe it was, and 
at one point when I was traveling, I do a lot of, I take a lot of public transportation when I'm traveling. I do a lot of budget travel just so I can take more trips. And at one point I was on a public bus, but not, with nothing but Arab gentlemen and myself. I was the only woman in Jordan. And I was wondering if, you know, I'm either really brave or really stupid, but actually people were very, very nice to me. And actually, same thing on the way to Morocco. I was traveling there with a friend, but so many people told me how it was crazy of me to go there because it it's just so unsafe. And again, I actually felt safer there than I do in the States sometimes. And my camel driver, who was about 22 years old and spoke some English, said to me, Oh, you're from the United States. That's very, very dangerous place. And I said, what? The United States isn't dangerous. What, what makes you think that? And he said, oh, they, they shoot people in high school there. And I was really taken aback because, yes, you know, we have had instances where people have taken guns into high school. And if that's what you've heard, you would think that that is dangerous. So it just shows you that security is very relative and our perceptions of security can be obscured or made much more dramatic by the media. Because here people were telling me how dangerous it was in Morocco. And here this young boy in Morocco was telling me how dangerous it was in the United States. So security is very relative. Now I'm flying away to be free. It was, uh, I would have to estimate in the early 70s, it was after they instituted uh, security checks, but not but before they became very stringent. So I, I would estimate sometime in the early 70s. So according to Tommy, what had happened, it was a very early morning flight. It was like a 6.30 departure out of uh, Detroit, uh, first stop Fort Wayne. So in the boarding process, two gentlemen get on, very nondescript, Nobody knew who they were, but they got on and sat down together. Well, as it turns out, this one gentleman starts drinking rather heavily early in the morning and starts getting a little bit obnoxious. And the flight attendant comes and tells Tom, ah, about this gentleman who's back there, you know, he's just not acting quite right. He's been drinking rather heavily. And, you know, Detroit to Fort Wayne is only about 25 minutes. And he evidently had several drinks in a very short period of time. So Tom, exercising his captainly authority, says, you know, to the flight attendant, keep an eye on him. And if he gets out of hand, please let me know. So they go into Fort Wayne, unload whoever needed to get off, uploaded whoever wanted to get on, and take off for Indianapolis. Well, Fort Wayne to Indianapolis is an even shorter leg. And this guy proceeds to down several more drinks, get obnoxious towards the flight attendants. Well, Tom, being a man of his word, in Indianapolis says, get that man off of my airplane now. However, his traveling companion says to him, well, you know, really, really, just, you know, I, I would like you to let him stay on. But Tom, being a man of his word, said, no, 
And the man was breaking the rules and drinking too much and being obnoxious towards the flight attendants. So, rightfully so, Tom kicked him off. So, they uploaded the plane out of Indianapolis, and boom, off they go to Atlanta. Did the other person get on? Or no, stay? no, no. The other person that he was traveling with stayed on the airplane. Didn't like him either. No, well, about 20 minutes or 25 or 30 minutes, it's about an hour and a half leg from Indianapolis to Atlanta, maybe a little less, about 25, 30 minutes <clears throat> after takeoff, the cell call goes off. Now, cell call is just, uh, what it is, it's a uh, radio link messaging system by which the company can get a hold of us no matter where we are. So the cell call goes ding dong, ding dong. They pick it up and uh, they said uh, to the captain, we need to speak to the captain. And the questioning goes something like this. Captain Tutton, did you have, or did you kick off a passenger in Indianapolis? And Captain Tutton replies, yes. He says, did uh, he, was he traveling with someone? He goes, yes. And they go, okay, is that person still on the airplane? Or do you know where he is? Yes, he is on the airplane. Yes, I know where he is. They go, good. Because the gentleman who became drunk and obnoxious and you kicked off was Sergeant Joe Blow from the Detroit Police Department. And the man he was escorting was his prisoner. So now we got the... Because evidently the cop realized once he got his butt kicked off that, oh my God, what's going on? sobered up. Maybe. Yeah, well, I don't know how long it take him. But yeah, that he got kicked off in his prison. He didn't have his prisoner anymore. Do you know what the prisoner had done? Well, uh, just yes, I do. Okay. However, as it turns out... Uh, Captain Tommy, being the colorful person he was, says, "Tell the got the flight attendant, told her the story, says, go back and get this guy, bring him up to first class, give him anything he wants. Wow. Because they said there will be armed escorts waiting at the jetway when they get to Atlanta. Sure enough, when they got to Atlanta, the gentleman gets up, Captain Tommy goes back there and shakes his hand, says, it's nice to have you with us, sir. However, I think there's somebody out here who wants to talk to you. And he goes, you know... And he goes, yes, we do. He says, well, I thought I would give it a try. Uh, as it turns out, the gentleman was not a violent or habitual criminal. He was a white-collar person who had done some embezzling. And I think he was being extradited back to somewhere to face charges for that. But uh, the open up the door, and there were the policemen ready to greet this gentleman and take him on his way. Minus his police escort, who was still back in Indianapolis. Yeah, that would never happen today. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know that my podcast is usually geared towards the lighter side of things, mainly humorous stories, because that's what I enjoy listening to. But I felt at this point in time to not bring up the state of the airline industry was basically ignoring the gorilla in the room. With three of the major seven airlines now in bankruptcy, there's actually a 
captain that when he's making his welcome aboard PA, he says, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you on board. We realize you had a choice of bankrupt airlines today, and we thank you for choosing us. And that is funny, but it's also a sad statement of where the airline industry is at the moment. It seems that as a country, we've collectively devalued air travel. It seems ironic that we're willing to pay more for almost every other service. People are willing to spend more getting to the airport or park at the airport than they want to pay for actual air travel. The other thing that's very ironic with the two securities that I'm talking about today, airline security and job security, at the moment, as airline employees, we have taken on a lot more responsibilities when it comes to passenger safety and security. And yet, our job security has almost all but vanished. There is a retired captain who put his pilot uniform for sale on eBay. He did not actually intend to sell it. He put it on there as a statement. And it was so eloquent and so well written that I would like to read it to you. And I can just only hope that I can do it justice. It says, authentic airline captain uniform for sale. This uniform was worn by a dedicated pilot for many years, now retired and robbed of part or all of promised pension. Uniform is now offered for sale to supplement income. Suit is worn and empty but filled with memories and honor. Suit has been across many miles and many experiences. Suit was once filled with pride and service getting thousands of passengers to their destination safely. Suit has been through rain and ice and wind without a single tear or scratch. Suit once controlled multi-million dollar assets flown throughout the world with millions of dollars of liability to the company and has never cost the company one cent in accident or injury. Although the suit is worn and has been discarded by the company, it can be yours and is clean but used. Coat may be soiled from hydraulic fluid or grease from walking around the aircraft to inspect it. Shirt may be soiled from mad dashes through the airport in a rush to the airplane in an effort to get back on schedule. Tie may have stains from fast food eaten hurriedly while at the controls. Tie comes with your choice of pins. Airline Pilots Association, Air Force, or Airplane. Pants may show signs of wear from hours being strapped into a seat. Hips show signs of wear from firearm used to protect you and your passengers from harm. Shoes are shiny but worn. Suit is thought by many to have aphrodisiac qualities, although this cannot be confirmed or denied. Beware. Putting on this suit may have adverse effects on your life. It can cause you to miss your children's birth. It can cause you to miss holiday reunions, family time, and weekends. You may miss your daughter's prom or your son's graduation. Your kids may think Christmas is not always on December 25th. Your wife may have to learn to be a single parent when you are gone for days. 
the suit can cause you to miss entire night's sleep or get up at 3 a.m. to meet your next schedule. Your neighbors may be jealous of you and think you don't deserve to wear the uniform or be compensated for your work. Originally, suit required a four-year college degree and an internship of five to ten years in the military and another ten to fifteen years for the fourth stripe. Suit comes with promise of pension if you provide years of dedication and service. The promise may be as empty as the suit. Now it can be had for the highest bid. Good luck bidding. I felt like that listing that the retired captain wrote to eBay really encapsulated all of the problems the airlines are having at the moment. And I know a lot of people are looking for other jobs, and I have been contemplating it myself, but I think I'm going to stick around for a while and hope things get better for the airline industry as a whole. And next episode, we'll be getting back to strictly funny stories. <laughs> I hope you'll join me again next time at Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase so we can travel the world together. Hey Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Khan's today and find out what invincible feels like.